welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 20, Friends. The original air date for this episode was April 6th, 1987. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, and it was written by Stephen Cronish. Um, why don't we discuss this episode in brief? All right. In this episode, MacGyver is struggling with the decision to leave the Phoenix Foundation amidst a birthday surprise party. Right. And I guess if we want to be accurate, this was directed and written by a lot of people. Yeah. Because this is a clip show. Yeah. It's, it's okay. It happens. This is the 80s. And this is actually a pretty decent clip show. If we're, if we're being fair, I think that there's there's fun stuff about yeah. the way they did it. There, there's enough original material that it's not just one or two characters sitting in a hospital bed, like, while well, one of them's unconscious and going, remember the time, blah, 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 blah. Like, they, they take a lot of effort to bring characters back yeah, they, physically. They brought beyond. a lot of the actors back, like almost yeah. all of the recurring characters, maybe all of the recurring characters. Um, I mean, Elia Baskin doesn't come back, but... Yeah. It's still arguable whether or not he was a recurring character when he <laughs> yeah, came back. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we have Tim Rosovich coming back from, from Elio's first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is actually his second of three episodes. He'll come back for Squeeze Play later. Um, but yeah, so uh, why don't we uh, kick it off uh, for the, the, the long-form uh, discussion yeah. of the episode. It basically starts with MacGyver getting home. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he's just getting home from Central America. Um, he had a mission where he was... Supposed to recover something from some guerrilla. Yeah, like some dictator. Like he, uh, oh, drug cartel. That's what it was, drug cartel. Right, and he's um, in the middle of the jungle somewhere, but yeah. they gave him a floppy disk. Yeah, apparently this floppy disk is going to take down a drug cartel. Right. Um, I guess it has the names of connections or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter. It's, it's it's not even an important thing in the in the breadth of the episode. Right. Um, and, and he makes the point that he, he nearly died three times on this mission trying to recover this floppy drive. Mm-hmm. And so he's just kind of, like, unwinding at his place, like, drawing a bath, uh, walking around the place, looking for food. We you know, did this... note in one of these shots that the calendar on the back of the door is finally gone. Yeah, it's gone completely. That, that seemed like an odd choice. I guess maybe they couldn't find a replacement. Like, I, with... I think that that was the answer. I think they just they, they didn't sell that map any, or that calendar anymore, mm-hmm. and so they could, just couldn't find anything to replace it with. Um, and while MacGyver's walking around, a man starts lurking around outside on his little terrace. Yeah. And Jimmy's the lock, armed with a machete. Right. And starts making his way into the apartment. Um, So when MacGyver comes out of the bathroom, basically he's snuck up on by this shadowy figure who brings the machete up to his throat and says that he wants the evidence. And MacGyver says, well, I don't have it. It's at the Phoenix Foundation. Mm -hmm. And then he says, well, you're going to take me there. Yeah. So uh, I imagine that MacGyver drove. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably like true. they they don't they don't probably just... drove very carefully with that machete at his throat the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's like they it's it seems like that the 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 drive would have given MacGyver opportunity to come up with a plan or to figure out who this was. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as they get to the Phoenix Foundation, everyone yells surprise in a you know uh, in a Kelly kind of surprise. Parade. Yeah, it's exactly like the opening of Twice Stung, where <laughs> MacGyver's wandering into a. a overly darkened Phoenix Foundation office. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the lights are never this dim in this office. Yeah, like, it should be a dead giveaway. Even when they came here, Phoenix under siege, all the lights were on the whole yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of like a, a policy for building safety that you have to have certain lights on even when the yeah. they're not occupied. Uh, 
Yeah, and in addition to this being a surprise party, it should probably also be the day that MacGyver got fired for bringing a terrorist into the Phoenix Foundation. Uh, Again, like, MacGyver should have come up with a plan by now, from what we know of him. Right. But, uh, you know, luckily, it was all just a big surprise party. And if the guy had bothered to search him, he would have found the floppy disk in his pocket. Like, Mm -hmm. he had it on his person the whole time. Very sloppy. Yeah. For a fake setup for a surprise party. Right, exactly. Uh, because the assailant, the machete-wielding man, turns out to be Jack Dalton, Master of Disguise. Uh, Bruce McGill in his third appearance. Mm-hmm. As he peels off his beard and uh, rubber rubber face makeup. Right. It's weird because like he says, uh, Pete, this is all Pete's idea, which seems very not not Pete. Well, his eye is twitching when he says that, though. Oh, oh that's true. That's true. Yeah, so he's. Okay. it's clear that uh, this was all his plan. So we kind of get like a quick pan of the crowd. We don't see everyone yet because there's a lot of reveals through the episode. You but, can kind of see Penny Parker in there, mm-hmm. there in the background. I think Michael Goodwin's kind of in the shot. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the first people that kind of comes up to him, though, is uh, Grandpa Harry. Right. John Anderson from uh, Target MacGyver and Phoenix Under Siege. Oddly enough, like, again, uh, trapped at the Phoenix Foundation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It seems like it would be hard to convince him to come back to this building at mm-hmm. this point. And... Uh, I, I kind of I kind of like their exchange because, um, uh, like Harry's like, oh, you're like, oh well, plenty of time to talk. I'm bunking over your place. Yeah, just out of nowhere, he finds yeah. out that he's going to be hosting Grandpa for a while. Uh, and which is fine, you know, MacGyver is fine. Oh, is always fine with that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Penny Parker comes up and gives him like an extremely long kiss. Right. And uh, Jack, well, Jack just has to stay and watch. And Jack keeps trying to interrupt, but MacGyver keeps putting his hand up like, no, 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 you let this happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they were, I, from what I understand, I think they were actually dating at the time that this episode took place. I hope uh, so. Yeah. that kiss was pretty authentic. Yeah. Um, Cut in. Even though, I think in their in the previous two episodes, they, they never really played it up as being that much of a romantic relationship. This is as romantic as they've been mm-hmm. so far. Um. But yeah, and then uh, actually before the kiss, though, Pete directs um, MacGyver to the table of what he calls remembrances from, yeah. from people who couldn't make it to the reunion show, apparently. And so we see these little, like, like uh, props. They're, they're sort mm-hmm. of like little um, miniature diorama type things yeah. that represent various episodes that we've seen so far that are just crowded around a table. The only ones we can see in this first part are... Um, we see a hot air balloon, mm-hmm. which is a pretty clear reference to the gauntlet opening gambit um, with the map. And uh, there's also, right next to that is a is a laptop that's opened with a world map on it. And mm-hmm. I'm not clear what that's supposed yeah, to represent. Yeah, I was looking at it for a while, and it's like two-sided as well. It's like a, it's yeah, like it a, looks like a battleship board, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't remember that ever being... Uh, an item used. I guess. I guess it could just be to represent his world worldly travels. Yeah. Um, because one of the other things is also just a Swiss Army knife on a pedestal. That's right. Yeah. So it's just kind of like oh, representing his adventures and science and technology and travel. Yeah. I, I suppose. So we see uh, him and, and Terry Hatcher share their long kiss, and uh, and uh, Bruce McGill tries to interrupt it, mm-hmm. and then and then. Uh, uh, because he realized that it was a happy birthday MacGyver kiss. Yeah. Then he's like, oh, my birthday is uh, two weeks from Tuesday or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, but uh, she doesn't seem as interested. Yeah. In, in, uh, in any Dalton kissing. 
and then uh, they move into how these two met, mm-hmm. and then we cut to a clip from uh, Every Time She Smiles, starting in the interrogation room. MacGyver and Penny are both taken into custody and then handcuffed together. This is this is like kind of like the twist. Right. Although although we'll find out later that this twist could have easily been undone. But if you were handcuffed to Terry Hatcher, you probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't pick that lock right away. Either. Exactly. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ham this up a little bit. Terry's all, uh, you know, Richard. Wouldn't it make more sense if you picked the lock now? No, no, no. no. They're put in this uh, little interrogation room, and. There, you know, there's not much in there. There's like, you know, coat rack, coat hanger, a chair, which is more than MacGyver needs. Yeah, it's, it's also more than an interrogation room needs. Like, <laughs> who's hanging up their coat in an interrogation room? I mean, you don't want to get blood on you. It's like, oh, let me hang true. up this coat. And there's coat hangers there, specifically. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's already a coat rack, but we need coat hangers to hang right. on the coat rack. That's true. That's true. I, I tend to, I would tend to think that I would just hang it right on the rack. Yeah. Not actually have hangers as well. But what if you have, like, 20 people in there? In this tiny room. It's a really cramped interrogation. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's talking? I can't. But it, this is Bulgaria, and this is like an airport interrogation room. It's not a police station or exactly. anything. So it's kind of a crappily built room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, they start poking through the walls with the coat hanger. Yeah, as soon, as soon as they're left alone, MacGyver's plan is to just punch a hole in the wall and get out. Right. Because he's more familiar with the construction habits of Bulgarian airport Which manufacturers. Really, honestly, I think that would work in most places. I think it would too. Like I think people would probably hear it in in like modern buildings here. There but, also probably would have been a camera on them. Yeah, but uh, if yeah, I feel like drywall for the most part is pretty pregnable. Or it's it's it's, it's not even drywall; it's plaster. It's plaster over cheap wood. Yeah, and chicken wire. And chicken wire, which is the 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 trick of this all is that they can't get through the chicken wire. Which I feel like if he'd have just kept jamming it with the coat rack, yeah. he probably could have gotten through the chicken wire too. Yeah, like I think you could have put some torque, like just start rotating it around, just start ripping yeah, through yeah. it. But his other plan, because it turns out that the room on the other adjacent to the interrogation room, it's is the, the conveyor belt for the luggage, right? So he comes up with this plan where he takes two coat hangers and kind of like, kind of like I don't know how you, he chain links them. Yeah, basically. he links them together like in a figure eight kind of. Yeah. Really, it's it's really like a good good maneuver, and he ties one end around the chair in the interrogation room, this you know kind of hardy wooden chair, and then through the hole that he's punched, he links onto the one of the seams of the conveyor belt. And then, in just like an explosion, this yeah. chair just gets sucked through the wall. Yeah, um, it just it splinters like the wall pieces and everything, and just gets sent away down. And like, oh, what I like is that no one notices like this chair coming out of the conveyor belt. Later oh, on. that's true. I didn't like, even think about that. You see them come through, but nobody notices the chair and all the wall debris. Yeah, that would have been like the first thing that came yeah. that comes through. Um, and then so they they quick climb into the hole and ride the conveyor belt. And uh, Penny makes this remark about. It's just like the ride at Disneyland. She's only been on one ride. The, and that's the one. Maybe her dad's just been taking her to the Griffith Park carousel and telling her it's Disneyland. <laughs> 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 this, is, this is the second carousel that they ride on in this episode. Oh, yeah. Or I guess oh, okay. the, this is the first of two, technically. The first of two carousels. Because we haven't ridden the Griffith Park one yet, but we will. Um, but also, I feel like in this actual situation, what would have happened is. I mean, if. If the chicken wire is really as durable as MacGyver claims, that it would have just broken the luggage carousel. Yeah, it it like the the sheet would just stop would have stopped running. Right, and I I don't know how how sturdy those coat hangers would have hooked onto it either. 
Like, oh. I think that the coat hanger would have bent away sure. from the belt before That's true. it pulled yeah, that Yeah, if it were through. strong enough, yeah. But I feel like, you know, you go to LAX and the, the luggage carousel spinning around, and there's signs that say, don't sit here, because, you know, I'm an idiot, so I sit there anyway, and yeah. the thing stops moving when I sit on it. <laughs> it's like, that's enough to stop the thing from moving, Yeah. you know. Please don't tell anyone I do that. <laughs> I, I have a family. <laughs> I have a family. I can't go to prison. <laughs> So they ride out of the baggage claim, and MacGyver makes this kind of like economy class joke, which I feel kind of falls flat a little bit. Yeah, it's it's kind of his uh, no ticket moment. Mm-hmm. But um, it would have been better if he'd played it off like a little bit subtly, like as he's walking away. Mm. Just like, uh, economy class, as they're leaving. But yeah. instead he's like, economy class. And, and no one responds. Yeah. Like, no, there's like no chattering like yeah. of like, oh, economy, like, yeah. Like, no one, like, it would have been funnier, like, they go, like, if people started nodding, like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how it is. It's like, oh, okay, I see. I understand now. And then we come back to um, a scene of uh, Dalton flirting with Penny, mm-hmm. sitting at the table. Trying to convince her that he's a uh, producer. Yeah. When he, she reveals that she's an actress. He says he, he won a La Scala ship <laughs> because he's hilarious. And uh, the, the we see the table of remembrances again. It has... The actual map from that opening gambit. Mm-hmm. Um, it has an oil derrick, which is obviously to represent Hellfire, which I think was season one, episode eight. Yeah. Um, uh, presumably, Cooper Huckabee or Nana Visitor could not make it out for this episode. Luckily, Nana could make it back for the next episode. Yeah. Um, just in time. Yeah. Um, there's a robot that's sitting on the table, which could be any number of robots. Yeah, we, we had some arguments about it. Yeah, this is, I mean, technically speaking, we've had three robots on the show. We had Roberta, we had Robert, and then we had the evil Dalek robots in yeah. the human factor. Mm-hmm. We've decided that this robot is meant to represent the human factor um, because looking back at Roberta, it's looks nothing like a robot. Yeah. It, it has really no resemblance to like a typical movie robot. And then, um, and then Robert was literally just like a rolling monitor. Yeah. It was like there was little to him other than some arms. Yeah, this had that kind of garbage can shape with the domed head. Yeah. That uh, the human factor laser robots kind of yeah. had. So. The only th- difference is that this robot in this room also has arms. Yeah, that that's which, the thing that threw me. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm assuming this was a gift from uh, Jill Melissa Ludlam, as played by June Chadwick in that episode. Mm. Um. Uh, Mac walks over to the table, and on the table next to the hot air balloon model is the full map. Right, of, which he pulls the, out and opens yeah. up. And Harry walks over, and uh, and like Mac- MacGyver kind of tells him like about how he had to go and get this map, and that's when we go into the whole map opening game. I think we almost see the entire thing, right? He basically needs to steal this map from uh, this little office. Yeah. yeah, it's just like an office in the city. He, he knows, he seems to know right where it is. Yeah. Uh, and he repels down the side of this building to a window, which he then pops open with his trusty Swiss Army knife. Yeah. And uh, inside there's the map up on a bulletin board full of other, like, photographs of targets and little lines leading to each one. But then he, he just rips the map off. So he doesn't take any of the other subsequent information that would make the map a little bit more useful as uh, as a means of identifying where, not just the general location of where, but where specifically with the photographs of the buildings and whatnot. Yeah, because all, all he has is a map of targets, but each of the target had a line coming off that directed the viewer's attention to a very specific target exactly. in that city. Like, 
Atlanta is marked off, and then there's a line coming to a sheet of paper with all the information to the, on the Atlanta target. Right. And he leaves all the targets on the wall and just takes the map just of the America. Map. <laughs> a, map which, of, a map of America. We, MacGyver, we already have these. We forgot what our borders were. MacGyver, we need you to steal this American map. There's only one left. Uh, but then the fun part of his escape using the map for every tool. Except so, as a map. Except as a map. That's the only thing he doesn't use it for. So... Uh, he tries to go back out the window, but uh, I think someone spots him. He lingers a little too long in the window for yeah. my for my comfort, um, and uh, someone spots him in, up in the window. And uh, just I guess they're not really so, they're not I don't really they believe that they're part of that whatever organization. I think they're just random police soldiers that are in the area uh, because they don't seem really seem to be connected to any kind of group. Yeah, it, that that was very unclear as to what was going on. Like obviously the map is important, but these soldiers didn't seem like they were the type of people who would be planning some kind of attack. They just seem like police, city police. But it also seems like there's like sort of a military installation set up in this little village. Like yeah. it seems like one out of every 10 people is in uniform. That's true. Yeah. And they're all after him. Right. So he tries to leave through the office main door, but it's locked from the outside, which doesn't make a lot of sense. In- <laughs> yeah. And they didn't want the map to escape on its own. Yeah. So, so they locked the door from the hallway side lock that and left the key in the door in case someone wanted to just take the key. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very trustworthy. So um, he slides the map under the door and then pops the key out through the other side and catches it in the map and slides it back underneath the door. Right. Which is a very cool move. Yeah. Uh, and then he, uh, he just quick ducks around a corner while the guards go into the office and then he runs past them. While they're all in the office. Yeah. Um, and that's when uh, – so he makes his way through the city after that, and he comes – like he wants to grab a disguise from a woman who's hanging laundry. And so he uh, rolls the map up into a pea shooter and then for literally – For literal peas. For literal peas. <laughs> and uh, shoots him at the ankle of this woman who is very, reacts very <laughs> – very alarmed to yeah, something. She's like, oh my her. god, what was that? It <laughs> she, could easily have been a fly crashing into. Yeah, her, or like, she's got chickens around too. I yeah, guess. Yeah. I mean, like they could have been pecking around. Yeah. Um, but just long enough for him to steal like a robe, which doesn't really, really ends up just being a waste of time because he's immediately caught. Yeah, he made it all the way to her in the clothes that he was already wearing. Yeah. And then he decided he needed to wear this robe for for another for few the seconds. ten seconds that it took him to get to a wall around a corner. Um, so before he can make it up over the wall, uh, one of the guards spots him, asks for the map back, and so MacGyver goes to hand him the map in a in a general motion of handing handing it over. But then he swings and hits the gun out of his hand with the map, and you're kind of like, going, "Wait, what? Yeah. How, how is he doing that with a map?" Um, but then he slides out this really thick iron bar that he had <laughs> concealed in the rolled up map. Yeah. So of course, like this guard did not know, literally did not know what hit him. Yeah. Um, so he makes his jump back over the wall just after, uh, some other guards start opening fire and he's running across the desert and comes to a dune, which the next map use, he uses it as a sled. Yeah. <laughs> he slides and we, down. It sort of cuts to, it looks like there's maybe like a styrofoam or some kind of a, yeah. like a foam sled that he's using, but it's, it's in the shape of a map. It's kind of rolled up on one edge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like toboggan-esque. And, uh, and so it, it, it's a pretty... I think it's a successful stand-in. It, it's yeah. con- it conceivably could have been the map if you were just looking at it. Right, and right. And he slides it down the hill, and these guys aren't able to keep up with him or shoot at him for some yeah. reason. Um, but then hiding over just the the next ridge is a, a hot air balloon 
for a dramatic hot air balloon escape. And in typical MacGyver fashion, there's no there's no disguising this hot air balloon. It's like red and blue. Yeah, like red and yellow. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like sitting out in the middle of a desert, stark desert sands. Yeah. But once again, we find out, you know, MacGyver always complains about heights, yet he seems to do everything possible for his escapes. Yeah, all of to... his exits are straight up. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he's trying to get away from a crowd of gunmen. Uh. So he, you know, he, he pulls the gas, uh, heats up the balloon, starts rising up, but uh, one of the soldiers opens fires and blows a hole in the side of the balloon, and uh, so MacGyver is forced to patch it with the map. But he does, he does, he does a good thing. Like, he, he actually tears, pre-tears off a bunch of strips of tape, and, right. and it just sticks them to his clothes. So that he can do it one-handed, because he needs to be holding, holding on to the, the rope. rope. And uh, he, so he patches the balloon uh, with the map, which wouldn't work. But <laughs> yeah, not uh, the way he does it anyway. Yeah, but uh, but then you know makes it for a dramatic escape, and then he closes with uh, I think the line is, "A good map will always get you where you need to go." Right. Um, and someone online had pointed out that it would have been better if he patched it from the inside. But then I think somewhere somewhere else on the MacGyver online forum, someone pointed out that if they were shooting at the balloon and they'd hit it at all, there would mm-hmm. be an entrance and exit wound. Right. <laughs> there would be a second <laughs> hole that he needs the map for. But, I mean, stylistically it works. Maybe they shot out from inside. Like, they shot up the hole in the middle and then it came out of the balloon. Oh, so, that could be. So there's only one hole. But it's, a, they're uh, not really at the right angle for yeah, that. Yeah, it's a pretty magic bullet. But the the shot of MacGyver in this hot air balloon with just a big map patch on it is pretty is pretty neat finish to the yeah. opening gambit. And uh, you know, and obviously, like you said, the stunt is more visually interesting if he's climbing on the outside of right. the balloon. Yeah. Plus, he'd probably catch fire if he was on the inside of the balloon. Well, yeah, I mean, like right uh, above that. Flame. Yeah, you'd have to cl- you'd have to crawl past that that heated uh, yeah. exhaust. But uh, that's the opening uh, gambit, which leads into the credits. And then when we come back, MacGyver is stepping into Pete's office, um, and Craig Bannister is in there, uh, Michael Goodwood, guest mm-hmm. of the show, um, who I'm, I'm guessing here is visiting from DXS. Yeah. Because they're talking over the case of this, the disc having been recovered, and Craig says he's going to take it to Washington, which kind of lends credence to him still being a member of DXS and still working technically for the government as opposed to for this think tank. Right, right. Because um, they think like, you know, like there might be a promotion in it for him, you know? Right, yeah. Um, and then Craig ends up stepping out of the office and uh, MacGyver turns to Pete and basically lets him know uh, that he's considering resigning. Mm-hmm. Which actually uh, brings me to another point. I thought this was probably the best episode to, to mention it on. You know... And uh, the audience is aware that I recently had a second child. Yeah. And um, my free time is very quickly drying up. Um, and I actually, over the course of editing the last episode, almost died three times. Oh, well, yeah. There was that fire. Yeah. So I, I think I'm actually going to be resigning from the podcast. What? No. Yeah. No. Pat, come on. I just... It's- it's, you know, I just want to move to Minnesota and live my life. I'm not going to let this happen, you know. All right. I, well, I think that... Uh, well, I, I'm pretty I, serious about it. I think you need to think about it, because you need to think about all the people, all our listeners who are going to... They can't listen to me. <laughs> That's true. I, I really can't do that to them, can I? You know what, I'll have to, I'll have to think about it. Yeah, I mean, just give us some time, man. Anyway, this next scene, Jack is still flirting with Penny... Um, and he 
extends the lie by telling her that he's he actually saved MacGyver's life once. Yeah. Um, and then we move into uh, basically the second half of the opening gambit from uh, the Thief of Budapest episode. Mm-hmm. So MacGyver is pursued down the beach, and then he is surrounded. And Khan makes this move of, like, he's, I'm going to deal with him myself, draws his sword, and... They uh, go into this uh, jousting pose, like they're getting ready to attack each other. And MacGyver charges him, but doesn't, he doesn't do a lance move, uh, MacGyver, he doesn't, he's not ready to do that. Right, he he leans back, and he puts the crook flat, so that it's like he would have knocked the other guy off of his horse. Right, but the guy just chops it off instead. Right. Um, and then MacGyver was kind of like makes this witty thing. He's like, you want to just go back to your place and talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> and gets like this, like, kind of yeah. face. Um, so they do another, another round, but this time, and this MacGyver, time Khan clearly just gave up any yeah. attempt at attacking. Uh, MacGyver knocks him off the horse. Just hooks him with the end of the crook. Yeah. The crook. And he plows into a whole bunch of other people with the horse, which looks really bad yeah and I mean, it's, it's, this is the most expensive horse in the world he's racing it top speed through the surf of the water uh-huh. it's not even just like the sand but he's literally like in the waves kicking up water very easily to just ruin this horse mm-hmm. and he pl- punches through and while they're pursuing him down the coast again a helicopter comes out of nowhere right with a dangling a hook and and it I, I remember watching this on, like, just cringing because the helicopter comes so close with that hook dangling yeah. down to hitting every one of those people as it sweeps down the coast. I was like, oh, man, that's going to kill somebody yeah. if it hits them. And and it's a really incredible stunt that actually um, for the, the second annual Stuntman Awards, this this won the Best Special Stunt Award. Okay. Well, he deserved it, it. It earned it. Yeah. Because the helicopter flies over MacGyver's head and then kind of lead, leads him and then kind of backstrack and MacGyver grabs the cable and hooks it onto the saddle. Which Explaining the 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 complexity of this saddle that he attached to the horse right because there's straps all around the horse's body around the neck around the legs and then the helicopter just just yanks the horse right up off the ground and it's enough of a unified shot that you can see this is a real horse Mm -hmm. with a real person on the back of it yeah lifted by an actual helicopter there's not this isn't like a crane shot that they're faking this is an actual helicopter picking up a horse while it's running, yeah, and then swinging it out over the ocean, even like you, with can, a stuntman on the back, and you can see that the horse is just like going, "What is happening?" Yeah. It's like it's like running still, but then it it does sort of get like docile a little bit, like the yeah. legs stop kicking and it kind of calms down, and it's like, "Okay, I'm not going to move because I don't want to fall from this." this yeah, high I don't up. know what's happening. Yeah. So but it's it's an incredible stunt. We come back and, and uh, Jack explains that the reason that he saved MacGyver in that situation was that he was flying the helicopter. Yeah. But I think as he's saying that, even his eye is twitching. Yeah, exactly. Jack is telling a numerous amount of lies yeah. in this whole episode. He keeps, compl- he keeps uh, blaming it on a cat. Yeah, Penny notices the eye twitching and he says, oh, it's allergies. Must be a cat in here somewhere. Um, uh, and it's kind of at this point that uh, Mac spots uh, Kate Connolly. Right, as played by Robin Curtis coming mm-hmm. back. Yeah, so Robin Curtis is back. She's over at like a fondue fountain kind of thing, and uh, she sees. I think Mac- we decided it's actually a champagne fountain. Okay, was that what it was? Yeah. It, it, uh, 
Which is odd that she was there because right, she shouldn't be anywhere near a champagne fountain. Yeah, but yeah, we see her standing behind uh, the champagne fountain across the room, and uh, she's sort of obscured by it. But she probably shouldn't be anywhere near the champagne fountain. Mm. But as he's looking at her and sort of reminiscing over their last experience together, we fade into the uh, their jungle romance scene from the Gauntlet episode, which I think is the second clip from that episode so yeah. far. <laughs> there will be more. Um, but yeah, then we move right into that scene. The whole time she seems like just as cool as MacGyver, and then suddenly she's like, "Oh my God, you can't eat a lizard. That's gross." And it's like, "Yeah, you I mean you've been living in Guatemala for a long time? Like <laughs> this stuff's on the street here." You yeah, I'm sure. It. I'm sure you have eaten it multiple times. Yeah. No offense to the good people of Guatemala. And they're lizards. Um, but then uh, things get a little, little steamy. Right. Because uh, she takes the take, you know, eats the lizard, kind of gives him. You know, this little gives him eyes, and she goes to lay down. She goes, "Do you want to join me?" And you know, he says, "Oh, it's a very, it's a very fine offer." Which you think, you know, okay, he's going to decline because yeah. like they're in danger. There's no time for this. No time for love, Doctor Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you know, she says, "Is that a yes or a no?" And then he cuddles sort of up to her. Fade to morning. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely implied encounter. Uh, which is the first. This is the first time that that's happened right. on the show. So His first girl. This is what leads to the inevitable sequel with Shia LaBeouf um, showing up. <laughs> showing up <laughs> this, the is, this was his conception. <laughs> In the jungles of Guatemala. And then when we come back, MacGyver is still watching Kate Connolly from across the room, but she steps out from behind yeah. the champagne fountain to reveal that she's eight or nine months pregnant. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So how long ago was it that Mac was there? Yeah, we're to start doing math in our heads, but it's been over a year, I'm pretty sure, because that would have been that was episode four, and this is episode twenty of the next season. Mm-hmm. So it should should be uh, impossible. So MacGyver approaches her, and uh, and she says, "Oh yeah, isn't that great?" And it's and it's all because of you. And it's just like, <laughs> uh, what? No, it, that's not math. Because he, math, I, I feel I feel I feel bad uh, a little bit because MacGyver almost feels like he's trying to be a jerk. Like what? No, no. Yeah. Like, but but I you, I I agree with you. Is that like he's working the math out in his head? That's not. He's like that's not. That's not, that's possible. not possible. Unless you're like six months overdue, uh, <laughs> I don't think that this could possibly be my kid. Um, and then she turns and introduces her husband, um, Mike Desmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, who MacGyver accidentally refers to as Mike Husband because he's just shocked and relieved that yeah. he's not the father of this mm-hmm. kid. You um, are not the father. So the actor playing uh, Mike Desmond here is Tim Rosovich coming mm-hmm. back in his second appearance after uh, Prisoner of Conscience, which I think was uh, season one, episode 21. It was like the second to last episode of the first Yeah, season. something like that. And, and in, which he, in which he spoke very little. Right. Uh, he was more like for there for the physical muscle. Yeah. Um, and uh, in this episode, uh, he's also kind of here for muscle because he's he's playing a, an NFL football mm-hmm. player. There's some really weird things about the fact that he's playing an NFL player in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, he was in the NFL. Right. Um, he played uh, in ni- 1976. He played for um, the Oilers. Um, he played for. He actually played for a few teams. He started with as a linebacker for the Eagles. And MacGyver says he recognizes him as a linebacker for the Titans. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but he played for the Eagles as a linebacker, and then the Chargers, and then the last team that he played with was the Oilers. And where were the Oilers at that time? So in 1976, the Oilers were still in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Oilers moved to Tennessee. Right. And they changed their name to the Titans in 1999. So this is 1987, and MacGyver's saying, you play linebacker for the Titans. The Titans didn't exist yet. Right, exactly. They wouldn't exist for another 12 years. It's, but Rosovich played for the team that turned into the Titans. It's such a weird coincidence. Like, that's such an insane thing that, like, MacGyver predicted the existence of the of the Titans. It's, it's like... It's like they had to pick a name that wasn't an existing NFL team so they wouldn't get sued. Right. Um, so he's like, oh, you know, the Titan- Titans are like a good-sounding name, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you watch that, like, on a replay, you might not even realize that the Titans didn't exist at the time. Mm-hmm. I just, that it blew my mind when I realized that not only did the Titans not exist then, but that Tim Rosovich's most recent team that he had played for was the team that became the Titans. Right. But he wasn't playing at this time anymore, right? Right, no, he had, he, he had been retired to... for 11 years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he had moved on to, to mostly acting. Um, but we, we had mentioned the last time he showed up that um, he was basically inspired to move toward acting by his college roommate, Tom Selleck. <laughs> who, so crazy. Yeah, and he, he made a bunch of appearances on Magnum P.I. too, obviously, because they were friends. But um, And I think he does a, a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, this role doesn't give him a lot to do. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, he. Uh, I always remember him from I think I'm as Cloak and Dagger, right? Yeah, uh, and and knowing him from that movie. Um, and uh, we sort of um, hear uh, Mike Desmond, the character, kind of clears up what she meant by this. This pregnancy is your doing because mm-hmm. you're the one who got her out of Central America, and then she got a promotion, and that's where she met me, because she was promoted to like editor or something right, right. like that. Um, and uh, then. I think we move right from there into another clip from the gauntlet, the third so far in this clip show, Mm -hmm. um, of them pulling up to the hilltop. They get back to the ridge where the border is. And, you know, of course, they already see the smoke coming up from the Jeep. Which Vasquez is like, oh, there they are. And then Ryerson's like, ah, this is a problem. (laughs) Like, already he can tell some kind of plan is underway because there's a cloud of smoke to the point that you couldn't possibly shoot them because right. you can't you can't even tell really where the car is. Exactly. You, just, you just know they're coming. So uh, Vasquez starts sending his troops up the hill, and then uh, Kate Connolly and MacGyver start rolling down these kind of Molotov cocktail barrels, you know, lighting rags and then rolling them down. Yeah. And uh, they send the jeep down first, uh, and so you know, it, which but, everyone's firing on. Yeah, everyone's shooting at it. Uh, and then when it impacts, I guess the gasoline in the it's radiator is ruptured and yeah. finally catches fire and explodes. Yeah. And then that's when the barrels start kind of like rolling down, exploding, because they're shooting at them as they're coming down the hill. Yeah. Uh, rolling out. They're trying to get – one guy's just like straight up like Donkey Kong running away from a barrel. Yeah. And then as they're like – some of them are getting fired on and exploding and – with the explosion, we're seeing soldiers tossed through the air, but some of them seem to be jumping in the path of the explosion yeah. somehow. Like, they were blown in front of the barrels yeah, that are coming down the hill on fire. They're just leaping all over the place. Yeah. But then one barrel comes down, a large wooden crate. Well, they send down one. Yeah, it looks like they have two, because you see MacGyver throw one, one barrel down. that has it has these, like, rims with handles right, right. around the outside. And he throws one. And then later we see an identical barrel, or probably right. the same barrel, coming down the hill. Yeah. And 
we're led to believe through voiceover that they're inside of it because mm-hmm. MacGyver says, hold on, Connolly, and she's like, yeah. hold on to what? Yeah, and oh, God, you know how sick you would be just tumbling oh, yeah. around? Like, y- they make it to the water, it rolls out into the water like a f- couple of feet, and they break out, but it's just like, you wouldn't know which way it is up. Right. Like, you'd just be like, I hope I'm swimming the right way. And at this point, like, I guess maybe they can't hear them talking, like, we're we're supposed to be, like, listening to a mic from inside the barrel right but this is this has to be the last barrel coming down the hill but it's not but it's not there's more <laughs> barrels like someone like the ghost of her friend is tossing more barrels down the yeah. hill after them but if this is the last barrel coming down it's significantly bigger than the other barrels mm-hmm. and you can hear people talking in it. Yeah. like why are they not firing on just this one and so the last barrel comes down and makes it the whole way to the river, and they get out of it somehow. Yeah. Um, and start swimming for Mexico while these soldiers are shooting at the last few barrels that are still somehow tumbling down. Come on, hell. And then when we come back, um, Kate basically pulls MacGyver aside to be really condescending to him yeah. about his life choices. It's like, I can't believe you're still doing this. Which is like, if he'd have had this same conversation with the old Kate Connolly, it would have come across as like super insulting. Yeah, She's and like, sexist. oh, you just want to, yeah, exactly, and uh, and just like, oh, well, you're just gonna you're just gonna go on adventures all the time. Like, oh God, I that just seems so empty and useless. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why anyone would waste their life doing that. Yeah, it's um, it's complete opposite of who she was before. When when he's trying to tell her, it's just camera. No, it's not. It's, it's not pictures. It's, these pictures are important. Yeah. Um, but it's just weird that she could be that mean about it. But, and of course he's taking this all to heart because he's just announced to Pete that he's intending on retiring and this is just fuel on the fire. Um, it's making me think a lot about my decision too. Um, and then we move, uh, to Jack sitting at the table again with, with, uh, Penny Parker and, uh, he's reading, (laughs) he's reading her fortune with her, the, her, he's reading her palm. Yeah. And he says that this line intersecting this line obliquely means that that the two of them are going to spend time together. And apparently the line was intersecting obliquely because she says, I went to a different fortune teller who told me that that line intersecting that line obliquely means I'm going to live in a hut on the Ganges. And it's like, (laughs) oh yeah, but... Before that. Before that, we're going to spend a lot of time together. Exactly. And... uh, and uh, we sort of move across to the, the table of remembrances again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see an ant farm, which I think we agreed was kind of a tasteless Oh my gosh, gift. that is so so horrifying <laughs> to see. But that's a reference to season one, episode six, Trumbo's World, it's, in which MacGyver's good friend Charlie was eaten by ants. Yeah. There's like a little tiny little pith helmet in the yeah. ant farm. <laughs> oh God. That'd be so sad. Oh, Charlie. I, I just have a feeling like that MacGyver was just going to take that ant farm blader and just drown it. <laughs> yeah. This is Real to avenge you, Trumbo. Um, and then the, there's also a, a small can of brake fluid. Mm-hmm. And MacGyver picks it up and t- turns across the room to see uh, Craig Bannister hasn't completely left yet. Yeah. He hung out for some of the party. Yeah, and Craig Bannister at this point is talking to an undisclosed blonde woman. Right. And it's like... Wait a minute. Is Hold that on. Ingrid? That can't be Ingrid, right? <laughs> because if if uh, if our listeners recall, the last uh, our our last uh, appearance of Craig Bannister was an episode where it turned out his his fiance or wife wife, his wife. they his were wife. married they at that married. point was a, a, a GRU agent mm-hmm. or a KGB. Uh, I think she was KGB. Yeah, and uh, she was a she was 
uh, secret agent that was spying through hypnotizing him into mm-hmm. killing people. And so uh, it, she does have similar hair to the the actress who played Ingrid previously. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really weird. But I doubt they would pay a Bond girl to come back and not face the camera for yeah. this one shot. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, and then we move from them the the two of them, MacGyver and Craig Bannister, sharing this sort of a, a nod to the semi-opening gambit from Enemy Within, mm-hmm. where the brakes are failing on a car as they're racing f- towards the uh, the border. Um, I think they're leaving the, uh, the Iron Curtain, so to speak. Yeah. As soon as he hits the ro- main road... Uh, Who should skid up? Yeah. Well, it's, what's crazy is like the, he sees the police car and he, hi- he tries to hide from it. And the police car slides to a stop and blocks the path of a motorcycle, which causes the motorcycle to crash. Right. Which is your first inkling. Oh, You're this- like, oh, this is someone on his side. Yeah. And the guy says, like, you know, need a lift? And it's his friend Craig Bannister. Of DXS. Mm-hmm, sent in to, to extract him. He seems like he is, um, he works in so- some sort of a supervisor capacity for DXS. He has his own office. Yeah. Which MacGyver doesn't have his own office. I don't know if that's by choice or what. Right, right. But it seems like he's he's higher up in the organization than mm-hmm. MacGyver is. Although he he is at least willing to go out on these missions right. in person. Well, we get we get an impression later on that he might even be second or third in line for the head of the department. Right, because they just they just hired a new director of operations. Mm-hmm. Um, MacGyver doesn't know who it is yet, but Craig does. Yeah, and he thinks that MacGyver will be pleased with, right. with the choice. Right, when you meet the made. new director. But while they're while they're making their getaway, they they take a couple of uh, shots from a local officer who's got his AK and just starts opening fire at the car. It's a very cool effect. Yeah. The- Paint coming off that car is yeah, just like crazy. Metal like chunks just flying off of the cars. Mm-hmm. It's getting pelted. It's a really cool effect that I feel like I wish I saw more in movies when cars mm-hmm. are getting shot at. Because it's like, okay, you can just put a bunch of holes in a car and that's neat. But it's more fun to actually see pieces of the car coming off every time it gets shot. It feels more realistic. I don't yeah. know if it is more realistic. Well, so, so often it's just like sparks. Yeah. Just like sparks shooting so off the car. So that they didn't have to damage a car for mm-hmm. their movie. Um, but this thing is getting torn up pretty good in the back. Yeah, um, it's just a very cool effect. At this point, they're racing downhill to stay ahead of the um, the East German officers. Right, the, they, the NVA. Yeah, they they've had other jeeps and other cars ready, and so they're they've made it to the road now and yeah. are able to give chase. Um, and they get up to about eighty to eighty six miles an hour. That's my judgment based on their but, speedometer reading one hundred and thirty between 130 and 140 kilometers, kilometers. per hour um, when their brakes get taken out by one of these shots. A stray bullet cuts the brake fluid line, mm-hmm. and uh, they realize weirdly quickly that the brakes don't work because I feel like if I was getting chased by East German officers, I wouldn't be testing the brakes at all. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is a make, windy road. It is a little bit windy. I don't think it's windy enough to warrant needing the brakes, but um, I guess that's for them to decide. I think they sh- they maybe could have shown the car almost losing control on some turns to indicate mm-hmm. that it's dangerous that the brakes don't work. Right. Because right now it seems like, oh, thank God the brakes don't work. Because <laughs> if they had worked and you've been using them this whole time, they would have caught up with us. Yeah. McGovern then tells them to pop the hood, and you just see it just get whooshed off. Yeah, because they're going the- 80 miles an hour, so yeah. as soon as that hood just gets a, air- a little lip of air, then it just rips it right off the car. You ever been behind a car when that happens? No, have you? Uh, yes, going up uh, the roads right around here, going up the hill. 
Um, it didn't fly off the car. But, but it just bu- slammed on the windshield? Yeah, it was like, I was right next to this van, and all of a sudden, boing, I just I could see, just see it happen, and it hits the windshield of the van. And luckily, they, they maintained control of the car. They just stopped. Yeah. But I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be pretty terrifying. Yeah. I uh, mean, if, if they weren't on the freeway, then they weren't they wouldn't have been going fast enough to rip mm-hmm. it off the car. But I think if you were going 80, 85 miles an hour, that would come off the car yeah. before you went yeah. back in time. Uh, this is cool to see what would happen if you were going that fast and just yeah. f- flips right off. Um, MacGyver then is going to climb out onto the hood of the car and try to see if he can pump some... what's going on here. Yeah, he, he, he assumes that the brake fluid is gone. But he says that maybe I can take some of the other fluids, this power steering, yeah. uh, and put it into the brake cylinders. Yeah. Now, it, and, and you can see as soon as he starts unplugging the, the, the power steering, that Bannister is having like harder time steering the car. Yeah. Which, which is, which is imp- why I would have waited until we were across the border. Because yeah. I'd rather speed down this hill than be able to successfully brake and then accidentally drive off a cliff because mm-hmm. I can't steer the car. Yeah. So they're up on the hood, or MacGyver's up on the hood, and you know he, he does check the 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 brake line fluid container. Yeah, it, it's weird because like the I don't know. I feel like the engine's going to be really really hot. Like the, the the like like if he was spilling fluids all over the place, like you'd just, you'd see it cooking off the engine block and everything yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and he's like leaning on it too. Yeah, this is like, oh man, I don't know where I wouldn't know where to put my hands where I wouldn't get caught in a belt or something. So yeah, he yanks out the power steering fluid and it's just squirting all over the place. Um, and uh, he puts it into the brake and tell. And at this point though, they've already plowed through the border patrol without have any they, resistance. Or they're about to. He, it's before they have brakes. He they. Oh, okay. But before they have brakes, they he, crash he reroutes through. the power steering fluid into. The brake line fluid mm-hmm. refills that a little bit. Yeah. And then does he put the power steering line back or does he just leave it where it is? It's not really clear whether or not he does it. Yeah. He, he definitely pulls it out and, and he overfills the, the brake line thing. Like yeah. he, he's just putting it all in there. Um, I think what he has to do initially is stop re- the leak. Stop the leak. Right. Because right. they're, they're just going to have Because otherwise, same... no matter what you put in, it's just going to come right back out. Exactly. So he tears off. The, the tube that's already been half ripped by the bullet, mm-hmm. he tears it off and then plugs it on something else. Yeah. Uh, so at least to try to, like, get that line back in operation, then he takes some of the power steering out and fills it up. Right. Uh, at this point, the Germans have stopped pursuing them because they've already crossed the border. And again, and like all border crossings from MacGyver, no one ever stops them. Right. Like, they... No one, no one ever calls another additional units or anything like that to, to see. Oh, these people just ran across the border. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they made it across the border, and they get the brakes back, and that's kind of the that's kind of the end of this gambit. Is just they they stop the car, MacGyver gets back in, and they they take off back down the road. When we come back, uh, MacGyver is basically standing next to Pete on one side of the party, mm. and just reminds him like, so is my letter of resignation ready like he's making pete write the letter because yeah even after all the time they've spent together he won't even write his own resignation letter and he says yeah it's on my desk if you want to go sign it and uh and macgyver leaves and then uh harry comes over because he can tell that pete's kind of upset and he says hey there so you're kind of macgyver's best friend right and uh yeah i'd like to think so and he just says so uh so what's wrong with him lately he seems pretty 
bummed out. Or yeah, he says, like yeah, he that. says, like, do you know, do you know what's eating him? And yeah. Goes, yeah, Harry, I do. And then, uh, so MacGyver is uh, in Pete's office, and he picks up this letter, which this is MacGyver's official birthday. We've, we're deciding March twenty third, nineteen eighty seven. Which, if you'll recall, is not the air date of this episode. Two episodes previous, I think, yeah. is the 23rd. I, I feel like they they were behind in their schedule. Right, because uh, we've discussed that a number of times over the course of this season, that episodes seem specifically dated to the wrong mm-hmm. the wrong time. But, so yeah, March 23rd was two episodes previous to this. But, um, but yeah, so March 23rd is his official birthday. January 23rd is Richard Dean Anderson's birthday. Mm-hmm. And it was the birthday that showed up on a passport in Every Time She Smiles, but that's not MacGyver's birthday. That was a fake passport to right, get him right, right. into Bulgaria um, or out of Bulgaria, whichever the case may be. But so we're deciding canon officially March 23rd, 1987 is his official birthday. Right, because um, this is the birthday party. Right, and uh, he does sign the letter, but and it seems like he writes more than MacGyver, but yeah. we don't see what he writes. Exactly, like he definitely, and nowhere on the letter does it say like, signature line of blah 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 right know, yeah it doesn't say uh but he's he's definitely writing an awful lot right um you, you had i think you had said that he's just writing richard dean anderson yeah that was my guess just because that would be easier to sign probably mm-hmm. um and then harry pops into pete's office and uh and he can tell that macgyver's you know having second thoughts about this decision and and you know i Maybe I'm having second thoughts about my resignation. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I, I miss you, buddy. I still feel like I, I... I don't know. What do you think I should do? I think you should uh, go with your instincts. Yeah? Go yeah. with my gut? Go with your gut. All right. Well, speaking of which, that's actually what, uh, what Harry recommends to MacGyver here. Um, but he signs his letter, and, uh, and then he steps out of the office, and, and basically he, he wants to go tell... Penny and Jack first. Yeah, yeah. That that he's decided to resign, and uh, <laughs> and Penny kisses him. Yeah, again. before he can say anything, Penny interrupts him with a second kiss. <laughs> and I love Jack. He's like, I hate this. Yeah, <laughs> he just has to sit there and watch. <laughs> and MacGyver kind of even gives like a shrug, like behind the kiss. Uh, what like... am I gonna do? And then uh, and then we move into a really bizarre story development that goes nowhere and isn't followed up in any future episodes. Yeah, it seems like. At the point that they were shooting this clip show, they had decided that Terry Hatcher would become a more regular character on the show, and that she was mm-hmm. going to start working for Phoenix Foundation. Yeah. Um, and she makes that announcement. She says, I'm going to start working for Phoenix. And uh, and she says, now all three of us can work together. And uh, and then MacGyver's like, what are you talking about? And she says, well, Jack, you have Jack Be Quick Messenger Service, mm-hmm. which is really not affiliated with Phoenix Foundation in any way. Yeah, it's just like... And I think they could probably find a better messenger service. I'm sure they could. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, guess... I think they would be hard-pressed to find a worse messenger service. <laughs> um. And, uh, yeah, so, but also Penny at this point reveals that uh, that she knows that Jack's been lying right. all this time. And she starts pointing out all the things that he made up, and like, in a row, just, like, lines them all up. Uh, you didn't save MacGyver with a helicopter. How'd you know about you... that? <laughs> yeah. And then... A scholarship. So cute. Uh, that there's a notice posted in the ladies' restroom. Yeah. <laughs> for against Jack. Yeah, there's a there's a note in the in the women's restroom that says that his his eye twitches when he lies, which I'm trying to figure out who would have put that there. Yeah. Like Craig's Craig Bannister's new girlfriend. Or or 
Kate Connolly? Like, would she yeah. know that? Uh, I don't know who else would have. Pete snuck into the women's restroom yeah. to hang it up. Uh, and MacGyver's or, like, or MacGyver did. We know his propensity for hanging out in the women's yeah. restroom. Um, MacGyver like tells like, oh, the truth hurts, doesn't it, Jack? And Jack's all, yeah, especially when you're not used to hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then, Mac gives uh, Pete the resignation that he signed in the mm-hmm. envelope. He he, I guess, just gives up on telling um, Penny and and yeah. and uh, Jack that that he has signed this letter and he gives it to Pete in the envelope and, uh, and then Pete starts reminiscing and just says, you know, this reminds me of the first assignment I ever gave you, mm-hmm. which I think we decided that because this wasn't, um, Pete's first episode. Right. I think Pete's first episode, not the actor, but the character Pete's first episode was nightmares. Mm-hmm. And then this was the following episode because nightmares was 11. So this was episode 12 of season one, Deathlock, And the, he had just gotten a promotion. Yeah. And so that's why this was the first assignment that he had given MacGyver. Right, right, Because right. Nightmares wasn't an assignment that he could give because he wasn't in a position to assign people. Exactly. So uh, now we move into the the um, infamous opening gambit to Deathlock, um, which I think plays in its entirety. Yeah. Again, we're used mostly being recut footage from a completely other movie. Right, yeah, yeah. And actually, as, as this... Uh, this clip is starting. We're getting voiceover over the footage of Pete in the present, mm. giving like a completely different backstory to what was happening there. Because originally it was just supposed to be about MacGyver leaving, and again getting across the Iron Curtain Correct. back into safety, and uh, and Pete says that this was reuniting the family of an East German scientist that defected to the West, which, uh, as far as I know, was not the case. That was not what that was about originally. Right. But then that ends up being. You know the 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 retcon story of, of this opening gambit. So yeah, this opening gambit is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even though it's, it's probably ninety six percent stock footage. Yeah, or, or yeah, footage from uh, what was the movie? It's called Funeral in Berlin. It was uh, nineteen sixty six, um, and it's actually the second time we're seeing so much stock footage being used from a Michael Caine movie from the sixties, because uh, we had that with uh, Thief of Budapest. With the and um, Italian job. The Italian job, yeah. So the opening game is pretty simple. Like MacGyver's mostly doing voiceover, uh, and we see a funeral procession kind of going on. It's just well, it's just the hearse, and uh, we get these intercut with uh, MacGyver inside the coffin with an oxygen oxygen tank too. So he must be sealed in there pretty tight. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's intercut with the, the footage from the film of the. Although there's no tank when the. Yeah. Coffin comes apart I mean, later. Well, I mean, he completely blows apart. Maybe that was the, the pneumatics that yeah. actually blew it, was, it apart. It was attached to some of the pieces that broke away. Or maybe the tank is, like, built into it somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the gas fumes from the... Yeah, he's just sucking on the exhaust. <laughs> um, the big surprise on that later. Um, so the plan is to sneak him out through this funeral. Right. Uh, was, which was, the, I imagine, the plot of the movie. I think in the movie, there's actually supposed to be a body in the coffin. Oh, a real body? It's not. That's not how. I don't. I don't think it's out. supposed to be a person escaping. But you know, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't really know. But mm. I think from from what I read, it, it had to do with like smuggling a body of an important person across the line. So okay, I, I'll, I'll have to look that up. Right. To verify. So uh, you know, the the cars pull up. The the, Germ- uh, the East Germans are checking the the papers for everything, making sure everything's in order. And they allow the mourners from the other side, from the west side, to come and help carry the coffin across the border. Um, and they, they enlist the, the help of uh, 
of one of the customs agents or the one of the border patrol agents. Right, yeah. But then the border patrol agent immediately helps them throw the coffin over the edge into the water. Is he one of the four that throws yeah. it? Yeah. That's funny. It's it's weird, like Well, it's because the by that point like I'm sure in the movie the joke is this guy's helping us like defeat him by being one of the pallbearers for this mm-hmm. situation. But then the guy that throws the coffin off the bridge, that's from the new footage. Exactly, yeah. So that didn't happen in the original movie. Yeah, so so they, maybe they just forgot that that guy wasn't on the, their team. Right. Yeah, they... it's, it's important to note that they that they did shoot some some new footage that was meant to match Yeah, they the put scenes. kind of a glow on it. There's a bit yeah. of a haze over the footage. To, yeah, to try to, I guess to try to match the blurriness of the, the footage that they had. Yeah. Good attempt. So we have um, – there's like a guy that's sort of in like a control tower it looks like that's mm-hmm. catching on to what's going on. Yeah. That footage is new. We have um, – suddenly people are running across the bridge. It, and it looks like it's the same bridge. Yeah. It's – it's yeah. Like I, I don't know where that bridge is, but it, it's a close match. It's like a steel girder, yeah. crisscross kind of girder bridge. And then them throwing the coffin off the side of the bridge is new. That's new, yeah. And the people shooting off the side of the bridge is new mm-hmm. after the coffin. And when they throw that coffin over the edge and MacGyver hits the water, he's got this little, like, golden uh, trigger. He's a, yeah, he has a control switch that just blasts off the outer shell of the coffin. Yeah, it just completely blows apart. And then he's, he turns into a jet ski. It's a, it's a jet ski coffin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He just sits up, grabs the handles, and just takes off while he's getting shot at. And, and the jet ski is wood-paneled. Right, like, to mash the to coffin, mash the needlessly, coffin. because it wasn't even exposed, any of that part. But it just looks so cool. Like, I would love to have a wood panel jet ski. Yeah. Oh or even, like, why couldn't you make those parts out of wood? Like, that would just be awesome. Yeah, there's there's no reason you couldn't. Yeah. Um, but it looks great, and he always, you know, so he just, like, just takes off down the down the river. Um and uh, the the guys on the bridge, the the East Germans start opening fire. Yeah. Apparently, the the people on the West Germans, I just managed to make it across the border without any problems. Yeah. Uh, which is weird that he needed to go through all this rigmarole. I mean, why couldn't they just like just drive up to the edge of the river and just ski across? I don't know. Yeah. And this is his now uh, third time in in twelve episodes that he's coming across the Iron Curtain border mm-hmm. and under under precarious situations. Right. Um. And also, it's it's uh, worth noting the uh, the actor, one of the actors that's that's playing the pallbearer. Um, he's the guy on the far right when they show the the profile shot of the three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy on the far right is is named Wolfgang Volz, and uh, he actually does the voice of Pete for the German version of MacGyver. The like for, the, for the whole run of the series, he's the German voice wow. of, of Pete Thornton. So it just happened to be in the movie uh, Funeral in Berlin, right? Because the, the, the German distribution wouldn't have happened. For a while, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't like they they knew, like, hey, we know you do the dubs here where we want to be in an episode. Yeah, exactly. But still, that's cool. Like he's got a double legacy of MacGyver. He he's in it and does the voice. Yeah. yeah. But of course, he makes a daring escape on the jet ski. He even does a little bit of a flashy uh, spin around in the water. And, yeah, uh, that's a little much, I think. It's like, yeah. Just just escape. They're still shooting at you. Yeah. Uh, but he gets away. But it's probably the coolest getaway we've had so far. Yeah, and a good and a good ending to the opening gambits. Yeah, it's a it's such a memorable moment. Yeah, sorry to see him go, but I mean, you, you talk to anybody with sort of a light uh, recollection of MacGyver, mm. and 
the craziest invention they can name off the top of their head is usually the coffin jet ski. Yeah. It's a it's a thing that that I have had come up when I when I tell people that I co-host the MacGyver podcast, they always ask, "Did you cover the one with the coffin jet ski?" <laughs> now I can say we have. Yes. And then when we come back from the clip, um, Jack is bringing out the cake. Mm-hmm. Rolling it out on a big old cart. Right. And uh, singing happy birthday before it was legal because Jack is a rebel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can we can legally sing happy birthday now, if, in case people don't know. Yeah. It's been declared public domain now. As of like less than a month ago, um, for a long time it was, well, it was legal to sing it. You just had to pay a ridiculous sum of money to some people who had a bogus claim that they owned the rights to right. the happy birthday song, which is why every time you go to a restaurant, they sing their own version of a birthday song, mm-hmm. um, unless they don't care. Yeah. They're rebel restaurants. But um, then this documentarian was doing a, like, he, he was just following the whole story of how these people decided that they owned the song and how long they've been doing this and ripping off filmmakers and yeah, yeah. and uh, for a long time. And then uh, it sort of culminated in these court cases cropping up. And then now the courts have officially decided that no one owns the copyright to it. So it's officially public domain. So go ahead and sing the happy birthday song whenever you want, people. Um, and, uh, Jack, uh, at the end of the song decides that MacGyver should give a speech to the crowd and, uh, he's about to, um, well, he, he says he doesn't want to speak and then yeah. Jack says, oh, well, if you don't want to speak, I'll, I can go ahead and speak for yeah. you. And then he's like, all right, give me the microphone back. Like yeah, immediately. Everyone boos and he's, he's okay, I got him all, I got him all warmed up for you. Yeah. Um, and then MacGyver gives, you know, this heartfelt speech about all the, people that he's met in in the course of doing his job at phoenix foundation um and he kind of just it seems like in the moment is having a change of heart about Mm -hmm. uh resigning which you know now that i think about it um i've met a lot of people through this podcast um the macgyver online community and nick sweeto and the macgyver project mac jackson and the macgyver podcast we've had a lot of uh, amazing guests um, Rob Paulson, Christina Wayborn, Peter Jurisic, Vernon Wells, and 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 a lot more. Um, too many to name, probably in a row here. And uh, and we've made a lot of friends through our Facebook page. Uh, we have Mark Hagen over there, Maria Evans, uh, Costadinos, uh, Elena Jordan, Tracy Wood, Anders Frege, um, Frank Siriani, Tracy Ramsey, Christoph Collada, Surfer Girl Gabe, John Literal, Gay Ends. You know, so many people that we wouldn't, we would have no connection to if it weren't yeah. for this podcast. I feel like maybe, you know what? I'm gonna tear up this resignation letter right now. You, you wrote a letter? <laughs> yeah, I just uh, actually made you write it, <laughs> and then I tore it up. So, so yeah, I changed my mind. I'm not gonna resign. Um, yeah, and then he he tears up his resignation letter, and basically everyone celebrates. Yeah, and that's the end of. Uh, that scene yeah <laughs> really nobody else comes up and talks to him after that um we kind of that's like the freeze frame out on the yeah. act four that should have been the end of the episode right cause... and then but then they were like oh you know what i just noticed something we still have eight minutes to fill. <laughs> so then they come back and, and it's basically after the party everybody's gone mm-hmm. and uh and pete points out oh there's one more thing that you you have a letter sitting on the on the table of remembrance which wasn't even there before i don't yeah, think exactly um but uh he got a letter from captain jim taylor of the 16th airborne um who played the pilot that had been shot down and captured in the, the actual pilot opening gambit um 
the guy that was in the little bamboo cage. Yeah. He actually came back to play a pilot in The Road Not Taken, if I'm not okay. mistaken. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, so he he goes over and he finds the the flare gun that had been smashed right. with a letter sticking out of it. And so he pulls the letter out and reads it, and it's just a nice letter from from the guy um, thanking him for saving his life. And then we move into that the clip. It's basically the, I think it's a, it's abbreviated again, but it's like the clip yeah. of the opening game. Yeah. It, they cut a chunk out of the middle so that you, we don't see him rescuing the pilot. It's just and we don't see him defusing the bomb or right. As soon as he as soon as he changes costumes, we move right to them escaping. Yeah. It uh, starts off with MacGyver free climbing uh, the, the cliff face yeah. to where the pilot is. First of all, it was amazing that the pilot crash landed on like this mesa. Yeah. That just just managed to like just bring it down. Or right that the terrorists were able to get up to that. Yeah. <laughs> like they all did the free climbing. And, and to they get built up there. a camp. There's yeah. a whole camp with big tents, and they built a cage. A tiny bamboo <laughs> cage for the pilot to live in. I if I was a soldier. Or, you know, like, I can't imagine, like, someone, hey, build a cage. I was like, ah, I guess I'll just tie these sticks together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They teach cage building uh, in, the, in the military. Um, but MacGyver starts off by free climbing the side of this mountain in the most most obvious gear. He's not in any camouflage. He's in this bright blue. And he's got a big red. poofy ski cap yeah. on with a, with a ball on the top just blowing around. And, and honestly, it doesn't look like it's that cold. It looks no, like it's it actually kind of warm. It's just—it's entirely aesthetic. Yeah. Like he just wanted to show off. He's peacocking it up this hill. I, I maybe they were worried that you wouldn't be able to see him clearly. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's pretty close on him. Yeah, it's like it gets on him. It's just like there's this big blue dot. Honestly, the... I would like. I think it would have been more passable if he was wearing the straight-up Tom Cruise costume from Mission Impossible 2. Just like a black tank top would have made more sense yeah. than what he's wearing. But uh, once he gets up to the top, uh, you know, he sees that there's a, a Chinese. Well, I'm assuming it's Chinese soldiers. Um, uh, they could be Mongolian, I guess. Sure. I guess, you know, Mongolians are... Are, are native to Mongolia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so MacGyver's sneaking around, uh, and he uh, finds that there's a pilot still alive. <laughs> and the whole time he's he's giving this sort of a folksy rendition of, like, you know, back home. Like, he, he feels more Southern. In, yeah, in the pilot than he does later in the show. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely got like an accent, yeah, and he's talking about being on a farm. But well, but he's, he's but it's Minnesota is yeah. where he's from. Well, he's from Minnesota. Richard Dean Anderson and MacGyver are supposed to be from Minnesota, right? Uh, so it, it's strange that he he does not have he, you know he doesn't have the Bobby's World mom, don't you know? Kind but of he's accent. also I don't think he mentions Minnesota in the first episode at all. Doesn't he? I don't think it comes up until okay, he the second about, or third. Well, because he talks, he he has this story that he's paralleling as yeah. he's making his way through the camp. It's sort of, of a stealing metaphor. a horse. Yeah, he he's he's comparing having stolen a palomino as a child to breaking into this mm. this uh, encampment, and he's sort of he's making all these these metaphors along the way of well, this guard here that I'm about to either knock unconscious or kill. Right. It's not clear. Is like a metaphor for the dog that was at the gate, and it was like this really mean dog that wouldn't let you get anywhere near the horses. But then he says, oh, "So much for what, Hector. What is the Hector. Hector, I think was the dog. So name. much for Hector. One whiff of me heading for that corral, and Hector'd have the old man down on me like a shot. So much for Hector." 
Like, <laughs> like it sounds really permanent when you put it like <laughs> that. It sounds like you killed that dog, which I think you might have also killed this this henchman here for his suit. And I wouldn't be surprised if you killed a downhill skier for your previous costume. <laughs> like it just well, it's even it's even worse just to think. I mean, I don't know if it's worse than killing a dog, but it's just the, the, the concept of him knocking a dog unconscious yeah. for the sake of riding <laughs> just this horse. It's terrible. <laughs> so, in this opening gambit, he actually does use a gun as a weapon. Right. He, he, he fires back at some of the soldiers who are, who are pursuing him and the pilot. Right. And then he hands it off to the, the pilot for cover right, fire right while he builds the... Oh, he's putting on the parachute, right? Yeah, he's putting on the parachute, and then he's also smashing the flare gun. He grabbed a flare gun from the plane, which was a really big flare gun too. Like yeah. it, it was like a blunderbuss. Yeah, you know, it's this, it's it's got like a one foot barrel with this big curved opening. Yeah, it doesn't seem like something that the military doesn't seem military grade. It seems like really old fashioned. Yeah, you'd expect it to look like one of those little revolver flare exactly. guns. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah, something a little bit more compact to shove in a plane. Uh, and then he uses it as like a projectile for him and the pilot to get off right. the cliff faster. It, it just seems or? like it would backfire at him, like yeah, it would have like just through the off chamber. No, like, no, no, it wouldn't. You cut like just like through the 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 trigger pulling would have like sent flames back at him. Sure, yeah, with, or the, it just would have exploded in his hands. Exactly, <laughs> but uh, they use it as a as a jet propulsion to instead of just running and jumping off because yeah. they I guess because they wouldn't be able to run and jump off together. Sure. So they had to have some other means of f- flying and off. And they needed to be far enough away from the cliff that they weren't going to hit it while they were right. base jumping, sort of. Um, and then they, I guess, is that base jumping if it's... Is base jumping only in a city, or is this oh, base I jumping? Know. I guess this would be base jumping. I forget what B, A, S, and E stand for. But they, is, oh, is each that... Of them, is, like, B is buildings, and... Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, there's, a, there's like, a whole acronym for it. Oh, wow, know. that's amazing. I'll have to look that up and, and plug it in and pretend like I knew it right away. Well, it's building, architecture. Structure and, and other synonyms for building. <laughs> Edifice. Yes. Edifice. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. That's just going to stay in like that. And uh, I guess when, when we come back, uh, MacGyver is still standing there, and, and Pete comes up behind him and just says, like, oh, it's been a great career. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you've done a lot of good work here. And then MacGyver jokes, like, you know what? I, th- I think maybe I do want to resign. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got any uh, tape? Yeah. He wants to tape the, the resignation letter back up. He actually specifically says scotch tape, which I thought was kind of... Kind of goes back to our whole uh, Titans happy birthday song, kind of like copyright issues. Yeah. It's like, why would you reference such a specific tape? Why don't you just say tape? Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess because otherwise people would assume he meant duct tape because he's MacGyver. That's true. But duct tape yeah. would work too. It, it would be a little bit less legible unless he taped it from the correct side. Yeah, yeah, you gotta tape it on the back. But who knows? Maybe it was a really long resignation letter. It was on both sides of the page. Even though we saw it and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, as we sort of fade to black here, the, the episode is dedicated to Wes Tansy, mm-hmm. who uh, was the key grip on the show for seasons one and two. And um, there's a there's an interview with Michael Greenberg that goes over it a little bit on the MacGyver Project site. We'll put a link in the show notes. But um, that's basically the end of the episode. Yeah. Our first clip show. Our first clip show. Are there more? I don't remember. I mean, there's a lot of semi-clip shows. We we had a semi-clip show, Dalton Jack of Spies. We, we keep cutting back to their adventures earlier. Mm. And then we're going to see a lot of clips in next week's show, too. Right. But um, this but was the first they're much official. Faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not like. And a there's long very little scene. original material to this one in that, like, the first scene is at 
the loft, and then the rest of it takes place entirely in the, the building and the yeah. Phoenix Foundation. What I do like is that they brought people back. Yeah. It wasn't just they showed clips with these people. Right. They actually it's, had Michael Goodwin come back and Terry Hatcher and mm-hmm. and John Anderson and McGill uh, and yeah, Robin Bruce Curtis. McGill. Yeah, Robin like, Curtis. So it was it was really nice to to see all those familiar faces again, uh, outside of the realm of a flashback. Right. It would have been cool if they could get Cooper Huckabee to come back. I'm sure he would have been available. Yeah. But maybe at six or seven guest stars, that was enough for a clip show. Mm-hmm. That was enough money to spend. But all the polls were were from the first season, right? Yeah. I mean, as as deep as we are into this new season... uh, It does seem like they could have used at least one clip from the new one. Yeah. Unless, unless, I mean, the the robot thing we could say was a reference to season two. That's true, that's true. But other than that, yeah, it's pretty much the entire clip show was just season one. And even more specifically, season one, episode four. Yeah. Half of the clips were from the same episode. But overall, I think it's still a fun episode. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's fun to it's fun to, to look back on things and to reflect. And it um, was fun to like try and figure out what all this stuff was on the table and which episode it referred yeah. to. Um, you know, if you're when you're binge watching a show, clip shows can be kind of annoying uh, because it's kind of like I just watched. Yeah, this. I already saw this scene. Um, but I, I feel like in the realm of a show that's airing week and, to week. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's been on for a couple of years. You know, essentially at this point. Um, you know, going back and remembering, like, oh yeah, these are things that happened, uh, and because you, cause it's it's hard now to think that back in the day, you couldn't rewatch old episodes. Like you'd have to wait for them to rerun them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so if you enjoyed any of these scenes, this was your only chance to see them again. Exactly. In a timely manner. See, like now with like Netflix shows on, like even MacGyver on Netflix. Yeah. Like if we want to rewatch that whole scene, we can just go back and yeah. do it instantly. We there's no. There's no need to wait. Yeah, and when people watched the opening gambit from the pilot play over again, they had no idea that it was abbreviated because by then they had forgotten the whole scene where right. he's diffusing the nuclear warhead with a paperclip and and then getting a guy out of a bamboo cage. Because all they remember is, oh yeah, they, he landed on the thing and he traded clothes with someone and they jumped off a cliff. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. That's pretty much it. That's all you need for an opening gambit. Um, but yeah. I think that's everything we have to say about yeah. this episode. Um, if you have any thoughts that you want to share with us, you can message us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash Podcast, And as always, you can find us on our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. Uh, and if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 21, DOA MacGyver, which is our second episode with a colon in the title. Yeah. And, and also, that ends with the word MacGyver. Yeah, and also there is no DOA, but we'll get into that. Right. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that we, last season we had Target MacGyver, and this time we have DOA MacGyver. That's true. There will probably be more. Mm-hmm. There's got to be another title with MacGyver at the end of it. Um, but maybe I'm totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out. Stick with us. Yeah. Listen to the whole rest of this podcast series um, to find out how stupid I am. And that's uh, and that's it for today. Thank you for listening, folks. Thank you.